You're listening to American Girl Women with Laura Treader and Lindsay Adams Franca. This is a podcast where two millennial gals gather around the microphone and reminisce on the cultural phenomenon that took our childhood by storm American Girl Dolls. Contrary to what you might think, we aren't just talking about dolls here. We're diving into the high highs and the low lows of getting hooked on American Girl and all the childhood memories that come flooding back. So join us and a few special guests each week as we become American Girl Women. On today's episode of American Girl Women, we are joined by Emily Boyle, a New Jersey-based therapist with a love for aerial dance and horseback riding. Growing up, Emily's hobbies included ballet, theater, and gymnastics, along with all things American Girl. Emily loved playing with her younger sister and cousin, growing out their AG collection to an impressive crew that included Samantha, Kirsten, Molly, Felicity, Addie, Josefina, Kit, Kaya, Nellie, and Elizabeth, plus Biddy Babies and the brunette Biddy Twins. In addition to the dolls, Emily interacted with the AG world in so many ways, from store visits and having historic girl-sized clothing and reading the books and magazines. Plus, she had an undeniably epic doll-themed 10th birthday party, complete with doll historian and ghost stories. Emily is a true AG aficionado, if we've ever seen one, and we cannot wait to hear it all from her. Emily, welcome to AGW. Hey, AG women. I'm so excited to be here. We are so excited to have you, especially given so many details that you've been able to get into with us about your love for all things AG. Like, seriously, Emily, like your memory is epic. And Lindsay and I are so looking forward to breaking down (laughs) all these memories with you. Truly. Before we get into it, Emily, what were you like growing up? Okay, growing up, very theatrical, loved kind of stories, fairy tales, acting, big into theater, loved reading, super studious. I loved history, so obviously AG was right there, playing outside, super imaginative, Um, grew up super close with my sister and my cousins, really just kind of like a magical storybook sort of kid. Girl after her own heart. Seriously, I think one thing that Lindsay and I have kind of learned about all of our guests, not to like single anyone out and say like, if you don't have an imagination, you couldn't enjoy AG. But it's one thing that we've noticed like about all of our guests that they were super imaginative and creative growing up and also really into like the arts and things like that. So I definitely feel like the three of us would have been friends. (laughs) Definitely. I I know certain things were kind of coming into our lives, bringing us all together. And that also included American girl. Like we kind of all check off these boxes together, which is really cute. Right. Exactly. Like if there's a Venn diagram of childhood interests, American girl is kind of like the middle for so many different, like (laughs) intersecting hobbies and things like that. (laughs) Right. Totally. But then we'll have like guests on that are like the outliers, right? Like you're either like super fitting this like archetype that we have, that we all have this like imagination, love, like dress up and theater and dolls. And then there'll be just some like rogue little girl out there who was still drawn to AG. So it's always interesting hearing from the different guests that we have, but Emily, 
again, you are a girl after our own heart here. So cannot wait to hear more about your AG journey. Yeah. So let's, let's get into, I guess, our first AG question. What were your earliest memories of AG growing up? And I know you shared a lot of memories with us and you have so many good ones, but what was the first formative memory of AG and how were you introduced? Sure. So my grandmother started buying American Girl dolls for myself and my younger sister before we were old enough to play with them. So I remember being maybe like two, three years old. Again, my memory is crazy. It goes back really far. And the American girls lived on a shelf and they had those stands where the wire kind of went around their waist. And I have a specific memory of maybe I was three. The American girls got to come off the shelf and they got to come off of their stands. And I guess at the time we had, we definitely had Samantha, in my head, I'm seeing Josefina um, and the, the gold earrings and getting to touch them yes. fabric and say, oh my gosh, I get to play with them now. Um, and I think at that time, we probably only had two or three dolls because it was still pre-2000. Um, but that's my, my first earliest memory. Now, question, because three is, is definitely like pretty on the young side, what we've heard of. Um, guests getting into dolls, but I also um, know that you started reading from a very young age. So my question would be, does, do you think that American Girl and like having the dolls kind of also um, impacted your love of reading and made you, you know, want to be able to read those books so you could understand the context around the dolls, even though you were really young? I would say absolutely. I mean, I didn't think of it this way, but around the time the dolls came off the shelf and I got to play with them was around the time I started learning how to read. Um, So being able to interact with the dolls and interact with their stories because they weren't just dolls. They were dolls that came with like a history and a life and being able to dive into that. I definitely think that fostered my love of reading. And honestly, they're some of the first books I remember reading. That's amazing. Do you know how your grandmother first discovered American Girl? Sure. So I'm not the oldest girl cousin or girl granddaughter in my family. I have a cousin who's older than me. She's the one who secretly let me read the magazines, but we'll get to that. (laughs) So I know my grandma started buying them for her first. And I just remember the catalogs would just come periodically. So I don't even know if there was a time in the 90s when whether or not you signed up for the catalogs. If they knew you had daughters or granddaughters, it just came to your house. Right. (laughs) That's honestly how I think my, because my grandmother is the one that sort of got me into, she onboarded me to American Girl. (laughs) Um, And I think that that's what exactly what they did. They just like targeted her uh, once they figured out that she had grandchildren of a certain age. Um, So, you know, good job to them because I feel like my grandmother was just like ready to dive right in. (laughs) Right. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. How much older is your cousin than you are? My cousin is four years older. Okay. So by that point, she was kind of the prime age for American girl. And absolutely. Yes. (laughs) So do you remember who your first doll was? Did you say it was Samantha? I believe it was Samantha. I know she came out first. 
but because kind of the dolls came down from the shelf all at the same time, I think we got maybe two at a time. The first two were probably Samantha and Felicity. Mm. Uh, classics. <laughs> mine, and, <laughs> mine and Lindsay's first as well. <laughs> and uh, before we go into more of your journey of growing your collection, um, I'm curious to hear about your cousin's collection as well. Was she kind of starting off, you know, with the same dolls that you had or what was that like for her? Well, we shared a grandma. So we had all of the same dolls. Every year, my grandma, bless her heart, she's still here, still has her own Molly doll, would get us, <laughs> she would get, if my sister and I got Felicity, our cousin got Felicity. We got the same dolls every single year, wow. probably for a 10-year period. So we had matching doll collections. That oh is incredible. My gosh. See, yeah. that, that makes your collection even more impressive to me because I was thinking like, the dolls were almost like a shared experience. Well, I mean, they were a shared experience, but like a shared collection between like you and your sister and your cousin, but you guys all had like your own Felicity and your own Samantha and your own Molly, like things like that. Well, my sister and I shared. We were, you guys shared. Okay. Okay. My cousin's household, she had her 10. Um, My cousin's household, she had her 10. We had our 10 or roughly 10. But it was wow. a lot. That is incredible. What an epic gift that your grandmother uh, bestowed upon you. I feel like she she earns the title Grand Mary. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she would be a Grand Mary too. Always <laughs> making tea. We had tea parties since birth. Uh, oh an angel. my goodness. And you could have literally 20 dolls that said tea party. I feel <laughs> like. <laughs> Totally. This is incredible. So oh did you gosh. choose, or maybe can you walk us through um, from your earliest memories of your collection, like through to who, who was being added to your collection every year? Do you remember that uh, kind of the path that that took? Were you requesting dolls? What did that look like for you? Yeah. So when I was little, I started, I was getting them before I could ask for them. So I think we probably started out with Samantha, Kirsten, and Felicity. I think mm-hmm. were probably the first three. And then I know Addie came. Addie went to my sister. So if we got to a year, one would be mine, one would be my sister's. She got Addie. Mm-hmm. I got Josefina. Um, she got Kit. I got Kaya. I'm trying to think the order of them. Um, and then eventually we got Nellie and Elizabeth who for whatever reason I thought were inferior to the other dolls (laughs) because they were side characters. I thought, gosh, they can't come up with more dolls. Are we running out of history that we're double dipping back into the books? But we had Nellie and Elizabeth too. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's so true. I, I remember them coming out with Nellie and Elizabeth. And then I think eventually, like maybe after my time, they came out with Emily, the companion to Molly's Mm -hmm. doll. Um, And I think that they're bringing back Emily because they just re-released Molly. So that includes Emily. So I wonder if we'll see more companion dolls in the future or if they're just going to do it for Molly. Yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll see. 
Yeah, but I agree with you. I feel like the companion dolls, like they just didn't have as many options. Like they didn't get a dress for every book, for example, like the original dolls did. Um, And they just didn't have as much like characteristics. Like they weren't like fully characterized. I feel like the way that the main dolls were. And I think like, you know, since the books are such an important part of the um, love for American Girl that we all have, like, to not have, like, a fully fleshed out, like, view of, like, what Anelli is like outside of the context of Samantha, for example, <laughs> like, I can see, like, why, like, I don't know, like, you just don't bond with them as much, right? Exactly, they were supporting roles, so my heart didn't connect as much, and they were our last two dolls, so by then we were, I don't know, 10, 12, yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of pushing the envelope. Checked but. out a little bit. I'm, yeah. yeah. I'm so glad to hear you say you had Kaya because I also did. And she was, I think, the last doll I got. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I don't really hear of a lot of other people having her because it was kind of like right towards the end of when, mm-hmm. um, when I, I at least was into it. Like, I think I was around like 11 or so when mm-hmm. I got her. Um, but she was like, such a game changer for many reasons and had like the most gorgeous clothes and hair so I guess I have to ask like at the point that you got her in your trajectory like were you still actively like playing with your dolls or were you more like collecting them at that point I think I got Kaya in second grade so I would have just turned eight Mm -hmm. um, my birthday is right by Christmas Mm -hmm. Um, so no I definitely played with Kaya and I remember thinking her hair was awesome I wore the double braids like a Kaya or a Molly my whole childhood and her outfits were I don't know if they were real leather or real suede because these are doll supplies but the quality was so cool. And so I remember, good. this feels like buffalo skin. And she had a special doll in, I don't even know the right word. It's not a papoose, but a doll like on a board that she could tie to her back. And mm-hmm. just diving into kind of that, that Native American culture was so cool. At that point, I was definitely still, still playing with them. Oh, I'm so, I'm so jealous because I, I wish I had gotten her earlier in my trajectory. I mean, I got her like early enough because I, I, did you have like her TP set up at all? No, I, I only had furniture for Samantha. Oh, well, iconic furniture that it is. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. <laughs> With your cousin's collection and your and your sister's collection, were you ever bringing them together at the same time and having like double Felicities, double Samanthas, like interacting with each other? Or like, what was the vibe like when you were playing with the American girls? Sure. So I am trying to think how we orchestrated it. I don't remember ever having doubles. I almost feel like we called each other before to say who we were bringing. And I don't know if we were avoiding having doppelgangers. Yeah, we played with them together and I know they didn't overlap. So I think we made arrangements. Interesting. (laughs) And we always find it really interesting to hear from our guests. Like, were you keeping the American girls in character to like their historic trueness? Or were you uh, kind of, creating different scenarios outside of the the context that they lived in? Sure. I would say 
me and my cousin stuck to the history of it because we were reading the books. We were a little nerdier than my sister. My sister's <laughs> super creative. I know she had a mermaid costume um, for her Addie doll. So my sister would kind of break the mold and the dolls could be anyone or anything. Whereas my cousin and I were kind of like, no, this is the books. This is history. This is real life. Um, and kind of stayed in the context of the stories. I love that. That's really fun. I I'm with you. I'm, I'm true to their, their essences and their pasts. Yeah. I think like I would have been more likely to put a historical doll in a girl of today outfit than to put a historical doll in a incorrect period historical outfit. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. That feels sacrilege. I don't think we ever put Josefina in Felicity's outfit or vice versa. Oh my gosh. Like I can't even imagine. I mean, like, I don't know if like that was conscious at least like on my part, or if it was just because like, I didn't have the capacity to even imagine that at that age, but I, but I feel like it's like, no, I can't even picture what that would be like. Mm -hmm. Just can't do it. Truly. Should we talk about the catalog? Absolutely. I think we have to. <laughs> this is the segue. Um, so Emily, what was your interaction like with, with the catalog? Were you and your sister fighting over it? Were you just waiting at the mailbox for it to arrive? What was it like for you? So typically we didn't have to fight because one would come to our house and one would come to my grandma's house. So my grandma would give us the extra one. So we each have one and one. And then if my cousin were there, was there, she would have the one that came to her house. And I just remember, and I'm sure so many girls in the 90s and 2000s have the same memory, just hiding away in a bedroom with your sister or your cousin and circling and writing down, this is what I want. And I'm going to ask for this and that. And basically it's everything in the catalog. I remember my cousin and I used to tally up how much it would cost as if our family members were going to spend thousands of dollars to buy (laughs) everything in the catalog, but just such, such a bonding moment and kind of, it was even added to more of like the level of like fantasy and imagination and oh my gosh, what if I had this set and what kinds of stories could I come up with my dolls if I had Kirsten's summer set, just so much imagination. No, there was so much potential from the catalog and you just literally made me have a recovered memory because I remember also like tallying up the like total cost of all the things I wanted from the catalog. And then like, you know, you got to make your cuts too. Like (laughs) you can't have, can't have everything for sure. Um, So I remember like taking like a pen and paper alongside the catalog and like, (laughs) you know, having my priority and whatnot but um is there anything that like stands out to you as something that you did receive from the catalog that you were like I can't believe I got this like you'd been admiring it with your sister and your cousin and it was like a dream come true sure so like I said before the only furniture I had was for Samantha um and I think her furniture was probably probably my most favorite American Girl obsession because I had a nook in my room that kind of went out by a window where it could be Samantha's room and her bed. I remember getting her bed and just kind of salivating over Uh. the gold bed 
with the white white blanket and the pink bows. And then what I was really excited to get was her desk. I don't think I've heard you guys talk about the desk on the podcast before. I don't think we have before, but it, it is like a very like classic. I think it has like some iron work on the side. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it had like a little well for the ink and it came with books and tiny pencils and a little pen that theoretically should have been able to dip in ink. And that just allowed me to play school with the American Girl dolls, which was a whole new game. So I think very excited to have her desk was a was a big unveiling. Oh my gosh, absolutely. There was another item that you mentioned in your summary of your memories to us. And I'm wondering if you'll go into detail about the Millennium outfit that you received. Absolutely. (laughs) So I was, I had just turned, I was born in 94. So in 99, I had just turned five. So I was newly five years old. It was going to be the Millennium, which I thought was a crazy cosmic coincidence that two holidays landed on the same day, one being the millennium and one being <laughs> New Year's. And I didn't understand how they coincided, but I thought it was cool. And anyway, I got probably as a Christmas gift, um, the millennium New Year's Eve outfit, which was just so cool. I remember being five and thinking, this is something Britney Spears would wear. And it was purple and it was sparkly and iridescent and it came with these tights that you moved them in the light you could see what they look see the purple see the blue they came with sandals that like tied up just thinking this was the most posh modern outfit I remember putting on Molly she sort of looked like me um (laughs) and just thinking it was the coolest thing (laughs) <laughs> honestly I'm looking at a picture of it right now and it is really cool so cool like, this is a great outfit it it made me excited for the next millennium so, <laughs> so it was good that's the thing is like an American girl millennium outfit can only come around once in our lifetime. And I think that you really like have lightning in a bottle with that American girl millennium outfit because we can't get another one until the next millennium. And yeah. I, I remember seeing that outfit too. Um, and I think actually maybe Lindsay, one of the catalogs you gave me for my birthday might've coincided with when that outfit was available but I remember being like absolutely shook by it as well um I don't know why I didn't end up getting it but I feel like I definitely asked for it because like they made such a big deal about it in the catalog too I think they gave it like a full page like vignette um so how could you not want that it definitely had where like you would turn the catalog the other way and it's the double page spread it definitely had one of those right uh what I would give to see that catalog page Laura please track that down if you can I will (laughs) I will try I hope I'm not um I hope I'm not misremembering I was literally just looking at the catalogs today I'll have to go dive back in (laughs) (laughs) amazing Emily was there anything in the catalog that you really wanted but never had yes I wanted so badly a horse. So I either wanted Kaya's horse or I really wanted Felicity's horse, Penny. I don't remember Kaya's horse's name. Um, I don't either. 
Felicity had Penny and I wanted her so badly. And I don't know why I never got her. Maybe my grandma thought your dolls don't need a horse, Um, (laughs) but they did. And they never got one. I remember my cousin got Kaya's horse. She's really into Kaya. Um, Being super jealous, but also realizing the horse wasn't to scale and you couldn't really get the doll to sit on the horse because her legs didn't go that way. So I think I got over it, but I really did want Penny. Emily, you literally are just speaking a truth that has always bothered me. The horses are not to scale and they get so many things right about, um, you know, like furniture and accessories and like making them so realistic, like to the point that some of them even like function. Um, And it just always baffled me, like why the horses couldn't just be a little bit more realistic. Mm hmm. No, it's so weird. Their their like heads are bigger than the horse's head. It's crazy. <laughs> like, oh, I guess it's a Shetland pony. Okay. Right. Like it looks wrong for them. It looks like it's honestly looks like it's like they're way too large to be riding those horses. They're so teeny tiny. I think with some of the other animals too, they didn't quite get the scale right. Like I'm thinking like Felicity's lamb is a little miniature. Um, Josefina's goat is a little miniature. Um, but you know, I appreciate that they tried. <laughs> they did. Definitely. They did. <laughs> I think I also wanted the goat, but not as badly as the horse. <laughs> I, I was just looking at the goat today, actually, and I was like, okay, I don't think we've given Josefina's goat Sombrita um her do she's really sweet she's almost as sweet as posy felicity's Mm -hmm. lamb Mm -hmm. (laughs) i i had posy and i wish i could track it down like i'm slowly but surely finding my full ag collection in my parents attic like i was able to get most of the books that i had recovered i found my bitty baby i recently found felicity but posy is still mia so hopefully one of these days I can track her down because I remember loving Posey. Lindsay, I feel like if you were to find Posey, there is some way that you could work Posey into like the decor of your apartment. Definitely. Like, uh, just like on a side table um, or like, I don't know, in your workspace. Yeah, absolutely. I feel Next like she to would a fit right in. lamp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's like, it could just be like a little like piece of decor. Right. I doubt my husband would even notice. <laughs> <laughs> it would be something for uh, Jerry to interact with when right? he's there. Um, Jerry being Laura's dog. That yes. I have the pleasure of pet sitting whenever Laura is out of town. <laughs> we adore Jerry over here. <laughs> I, I think he would love to stand eye to eye with Posey personally. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. Um, so Emily, we mentioned this um, briefly in the intro, but you had um, historic girl size clothing made for you from your aunt and we would love to hear a little bit more about this. Was this um, your cousin's mother to start off this conversation? Yes. So the aunt who was the seamstress 
is my older cousin's mom. So she was able to, she started out just making us really cool outfits for our dolls. Um, I remember she made Felicity a really awesome floral dress that was like properly in the, the pattern of the time. Um, and then I think um, what stands out to me is she made us and our dolls matching nightgowns and like those little mop hats. Oh my goodness. I just remember feeling like, oh my gosh, I am Laura Ingalls, because loved that too as a kid. I am on the prairie. This is my doll. This is my nightgown. And just, it made going to bed like charming and historical um just dancing around the bedroom and with the dolls and the nightgowns the hats I don't know just such a fond memory I okay so first of all I want to say I have so much respect for people who are able to sew and do needlework because I feel like it is such a um well number one it's like a little bit of a lost art because I feel like less and less people are carrying over that skill today. And it's such a shame. And it's also like so delicate and so detailed, like you have to really have such a good eye for it. So I think it's just so impressive that your aunt was not only able to, you know, make girl size clothing, but also make doll size clothing. And then in both cases follow like historical patterns, because, you know, it's not like she was making a a dress for today. She's literally making like a 1774 dress, which is Mm -hmm. incredible. It was awesome. And I remember my mom was learning how to sew at the time she made out of her Girl Scout brownie uniform from when she was a kid in like the 70s or yeah, the 70s. Um, She made a brownie uniform for Kit. And I remember (laughs) Kit got to be a Girl Scout because she felt slightly more modern with her short hair. So I could dress her in maybe more modern clothes. Um, But Kit got to be a Girl Scout. and it's funny that you said like the, the sewing is kind of a lost art because I remember also around the time when I got the dolls and started reading the books, I said to my mom, mom, I'm four. I need to learn how to sew. I need a sampler. Um, <laughs> yes. Felicity had a sampler where she would, she would stitch. Um, and I started learning how to, how to cross stitch and, uh, crochet and that sort of thing. And I still do it today. I, I embroider every day when I'm done working because that's how I de-stress. So I carry a little bit of felicity with me. That's incredible, Emily. That's so interesting. That's so awesome. My mom was actually just telling me that she has been getting back into cross-stitching and embroidery. And it's something that she and I kind of tried when I was like probably around five or six, Um, And it takes so much patience. And if you mess up, like as a kid, like it can be so frustrating. Um, But it's one of those things that like, I wish I had kept at because it would be such a great skill to have today. Um, Maybe I'll pick, I don't know, maybe I'll pick it back up. I feel like you're kind of inspiring me, Emily, because I feel like that would be so relaxing to do at the end of a day instead of like being on your phone or like watching. I mean, you could even like watch a show if you wanted to while you're doing it, but I think like doing things with your hands and stuff like and just the way to like connect like you said back to Samantha and Felicity's time period like you're literally doing the exact same thing that girls were doing hundreds of years ago. Yeah, definitely. 
Oh, I love that. That's so, so interesting. What kind of things do you make? Like, do you follow any specific patterns or have any themes that you work off of? Sure. So I do like to use patterns because and even when I was a kid, I love rules and guidelines yeah. and structure. Just one of those kind of kids. Um, so I do use patterns. Um, I am a therapist by trade. So I like to kind of make things that you might hang in a therapist's office. I have a really cool one where it's kind of like half the brain and like the other half is all flowers and colors. Um, or I'll do quotes or I'll make like gifts for people. So I'll do something that they really like. Um, lately I'm doing a lot of butterflies. I don't know why I just stumble on those on Etsy. Um, but I'm making something for a friend for a baby shower so she can hang it in her nursery. Um, it keeps your hands busy and it's really easy to give as a gift. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Well, I, I love it. To see your work. That's amazing. Seriously, please. Like, oh my God, it would be amazing if you, if you'd made something like AG esque. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yes. It shall be done. Oh my God. That would be so cool. I mean, I feel like there's so much potential there. Definitely. Definitely. So many of the girls existed in times where that was a thing. I'm sure Addie so too. Yeah, literally. Like I, I feel like there's so many ways that you could like thread that into, into an HE motif, even if like you just like used like Lindsay and I talked about this actually, because Lindsay makes her daisy bracelets. And I was like, wait, those could be made with like AG specific colors. Yes. So I feel like you could do like an embroidery that was like, you know, like for Addie, it would be like pink for Samantha it'd be like maroon for Molly would be like red and navy blue. There's just like endless possibilities. Oh, I'm going to have to do it now. <laughs> Please do and report back. That would be wonderful. So Emily, you were saying that you learned to read at a very young age and the books were a really important part of your AG memories. And you also mentioned that you were drawn to one specific collection of books. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So I was most enamored with Felicity's story. And I don't know if at first it was just because she had red hair and I wanted red hair, but I remember her books most fondly and I don't know if they made these for all of the doll stories but I had a Felicity book where it was all of her books in one so it's like the size of a big novel which was exciting and the the sides of the pages were gold kind of like that gold leaf and it was a hardcover and had like this vellum paper that went around it and I must have read that dozens and dozens of times I think I wrote in my my memories of it. I used to read it in the car when we would drive down down the shore because we spent a lot of summers at the Jersey Shore. And even to this day, if I read, if I look down in the car, I will get car sick. I will throw up. Um, and <laughs> the Felicity books were worth it because I can remember getting about halfway down the shore saying, mom, I have to throw up, pulling over, being sick getting back in the car and continuing to read the book. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's commitment. Seriously. Loved, loved her story. And I was a little bit in love with, I think the apprentice at her dad's general store, who I think was Ben. Mm-hmm. I was, it was Ben. 
Ben was so Ben was so iconic. I think we were all a little bit in love with Ben for sure. Um, <laughs> you definitely like touched on something I want to go back to, which is like those big collections of American Girl stories that they came out with later on. Um, I think I really appreciated having that as I got older because once you like are a little older and you're into the books and you get to a certain reading level, like with that big, huge collection, like you could just fly through Mm -hmm. all these books. And like, it kind of almost felt like reading like one longer, like novel rather than like each of their smaller stories, which I really liked. I had the Samantha one and I remember those like gold edged pages, making it just like a little bit more prestige. (laughs) That's a really good point. I don't think those were out when I was, um, into American Girl and I was uh, reading the individual stories. But something I did notice is that how quickly you could go through the books. So having it all together in one collection, I feel like would definitely add to the experience and really be able to see the character development and a bit more of like the bigger picture. So I feel like when I was reading the books, it was at a slower pace and not necessarily in order Mm. or, Mm -hmm. you know, just kind of skipping around a bit. Yeah. I feel like it's much easier to sort of get like a holistic view of each character when you like have them all, like if you're almost like binge reading them um, because you're putting them all into, into one long form. I actually saw one of these books like on some website for sale and I was like hmm maybe I should get that because it I it must have been the Samantha one because like that's how I remembered that I had it um and I don't think I my parents still have it I might look for it when I go to their house but I feel like it would be so nice to like have at least one of the characters like whole anthology of books to like like recall some of those stories from my childhood for sure Definitely. After we record this, I'm definitely going to look this up. I really love to reread Samantha specifically. It's right up your alley, Lindsay, with those gold pages too. Very Royal Diaries. (laughs) (laughs) I remember those too. Oh yeah. The American Girl Royal Diaries overlap is is real for sure. Um, But Emily, I also wanted to ask, like, because I was looking in one of my catalogs, and I think you and I are pretty close in age, so this would have been around the same time that you would have been reading the books, but they came out with those, like, mini hardcover books that also had outfits. Um, Mm -hmm. And I remember Felicity's version of that book was all about like her getting a new sister. Yes, Um, I was obsessed. Yes. And it was kind of drama, right? Like, wasn't she like born in a barn or something during a flood? Yes, it was some kind of like, yeah, there was some sort of disaster and Felicity had to like run out and get something. Yes, there was like water. I remember that. And I, I probably read it maybe after, but I had a little brother too. And just kind of being like, wow, that's so dramatic. A baby was born. Um, That was probably my favorite mini book. I probably had mini books for Kirsten too, um, but I really only remember Felicity's. It was pretty iconic, that one. I think that one I definitely must still have at my parents. Um, So if I find it when I'm going through 
Um, I will let everyone know, but Lindsay, maybe I'll bring it back to New York because it's definitely like an iconic Felicity tale. Oh my God, please. Wait, she has another younger sibling than the baby that was born during like the Christmas or not Christmas. The, what book was that? Maybe her. No, it's, it's the story of that baby being born. I think. Yeah. I think in the movie they like kind of like mashed all that together into like one story um, where like the baby was born and I think they like mixed it with like another plot point from a different book but I think I didn't read all of Felicity's books but I did read that little one and I think it was just specifically about Polly is the baby's name yes Polly I thought I read about Polly outside of just seeing her in the movie I remember her, but I could be wrong on that. Or maybe I read that book. We're going to have to uh, get to the bottom of this. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> I know I, I was born in 86. So I, my, my peak AG time is really like maybe 1994 to 99 ish. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe that's a little old, maybe like 98. And then my memories just drop off. Like I have (laughs) no idea what happened with American girl, like after 1999, 2000, aside Mm -hmm. from like occasionally looking in the catalog, but not often. So I feel like I'm kind of in this weird place of still learning about American girl. Like what happened afterwards? So much apparently. It could also be that, that they like changed the books. Like, I mean, they, they could have like literally like taken that story out of one of the books and like made it into its own thing and like cut it out of one of the other books, I suppose. Oh, interesting. Or maybe it was more of like a secondary story and they didn't go too far in depth and really right. kind of fleshed it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I think that the, what this is just saying is that we have to reread all the books. Honestly. Yes. <laughs> Watch all the movies as well. Get yes, it all in there. Exactly. <laughs> um, but speaking of books, a book of a different kind that had a very strong impact on, I think, all three of us, regardless of when we hit our peak AG years, was the care and keeping of you. Um, I don't think that there's a single guest that we've had, maybe like one, that hasn't been touched by this book in some way, whether it was positive or traumatic. Um, (laughs) But tell us a little bit about, you know, your experience with that book and how that sort of played into your relationship dynamic too, with like sharing AG with your cousin and sister as well. Sure. So my cousin had a copy of it first because she was four years older and she would in secret, let me look at it with her. But even she said that now there's a page in here that my mom ripped out. So there, there was a page in the book that we never got to see. Um, and then eventually when I got my own copy, got it from Santa or my mom, that page was still in there. And it was the inserting a tampon page. And, oh my gosh. I guess credit to the illustrators because it's a picture of a girl inserting a tampon in a children's book. Um, and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is the picture that Aunt Beth ripped out. Um, oh, oh my God. Who knew that the inserting a tampon page was like 
the second half of the sound of music of the caring keeping of you it's the thing that like (laughs) nobody's parents like wanted them to really see right (laughs) honestly wait what what was that conversation like or do you remember that conversation with your cousin when you had the page still in your book well I think by the time I showed her she had already like gotten a period and knew that kind of stuff. So it wasn't <laughs> as horrific to her, but it, it was to me. And I definitely, <laughs> I definitely have such a late bloomer um, physically and in all the ways. So I can remember looking at the book as if it were aspirational. There was this section with like, oh, breast development. Um, and there were like different stages. And I remember thinking like, Ooh, I'm going to get breast buds. Oh Oh. my God. Yes. Did they like coin that term? Because I've never (laughs) seen it anywhere else besides that book. (laughs) And it gave me such a strong ick at the time and still to this day that it's like so hard to like imagine that that's like a clinical term. (laughs) I know. It's such a gross term that I've never heard in any other context. No, seriously. I... I want to go back to the the tampon page really quick because I actually have a PDF of the care and keeping of you pulled up right now. There's a full PDF of this book available online if you're interested, Emily. Mm -hmm. Um, But something that still like shocks me to this day or like rather that I haven't been able to like understand is like there's one picture of the girl like facing forward and there's one picture of her like sort of three-quarter view and like they for some reason in the three-quarter view the tampon looks like a paintbrush and I'm like why does it look like a paintbrush (laughs) I I, like I wish that I could like give you guys the visual of of what this looks like but I've thought that when I was a kid I still think that to this day if I were a little kid looking at this I'd be like what what is going on there like that's the one part where I'm like I don't think that this is actually like an illustration that's helping me oh my gosh they go so accurate on the body that they're just like "Eh, a little paintbrush paintbrush. (laughs) the way they show it is against like a white square to show something without any background but it looks like she's holding a piece of toilet paper presumably up and painting yeah. it like it's very <laughs> it's very strange it it is strange I can't believe that someone illustrated this yeah like I, every time I see this page I'm like what and someone probably like had to go through multiple rounds of like feedback on this page too <laughs> honestly like they're just like it's not it's not quite right we need to like this girl is so calm too. I think that they must've been trying to like emphasize for girls that like, it's not a big deal. And they gave this girl this like really serene expression. Serene, (laughs) Truly. Can you see the illustrator like on page, like the table of contents or. I always loved this page too. Me too. The body diversity got me. I was like, I like this. Yes. No, they definitely like were on top of it with that for sure I wonder if it's maybe like in the back of the book but yeah they really they really were ahead of their time and I did feel like this book was like informative without being like patronizing like I didn't feel like I was being talked down to by adults when reading this book like it felt like 
I don't know, it felt like it was written in a voice that was like neither adult nor child, just like a completely neutral party. But I can't seem to find any author information unless it's on like, or like illustrator information, because we know who the author, oh, here we go, illustrated by a man. A man? Norm Bendel. That makes it worse. Wow. Oh my God. He probably learned a few things while illustrating this wow. book. Wow. Oh my Maybe God. Maybe he did. Y'all should see what he looks like too. Oh my oh. goodness. Oh my what? God. I knew about Valerie Lee Schaefer because these teens on TikTok were like, our mom wrote the Care and Keeping of You books and it like went viral. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah. Um, so I guess it was an adult woman, obviously, but she did a really good job of making it seem like very accessible, I guess, like in the voice that she chose to write in. Sure. And, you know, like Norm, Norm carried, like he, he did a good job. <laughs> I dropped in the chat a picture of what Norm looks like for a little visual. We could put okay. this on our Instagram as well. Okay. Uh, He's just gazing out into the world here. (laughs) And I see a picture of him drawn in his own style as well. Yeah, I I really do like his his style of illustration. It's very nostalgic. Oh, it was there was something accessible and kind of comforting about it. I don't know, maybe because it was cartoon, but very sweet for sure. It really is. And I he must have illustrated all the American Girl books because they're all sort of drawn in the same style. So um, they kept him busy. Right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the magazine had a lot of that as well. Right. Yeah. Like it seemed throughout. And speaking of the magazine, Emily, what was your experience like with the AG mag? Sure. So at first my mom would not let me read them. Um, and I was like seven, eight, nine years old, the perfect age to read the magazines. Um, I don't know if she thought they were like 17 magazine or (laughs) she thought was in them. But again, my trusty older cousin would let me read them in secret. Um, and then I think when I was nine, I was allowed to get my first one. And I remember it was a double issue where it was two covers. And if you you would like flip it over and the magazine split in the middle. Um, and I remember thinking it was so cool. I loved the help section, just kind yeah. of reading about like the problems that other girls were having um, and the crafts and the recipes and the short stories. Once I was allowed to have my own, I, I coveted them. I probably read them until the pages ripped out. <laughs> I've been I've been bidding on a lot of the magazines on eBay and have started up my American Girl magazine collection again. And honestly, they hold up. Like the content is so uh, evergreen. It is so well thought out, and it really is a beautiful magazine. And I, I find it a little funny that your mom thought it was age inappropriate only because, and we recently shared this, um, on an episode and had posted about it on our Instagram, uh, quite a appalling story that 
American Girl published about a certain guinea pig murder yes. uh, <laughs> where I'm like, oh, wait, is that the kind of stuff that they published frequently? Or, you know, perhaps your mother saw something along those lines and was like, nope. But I, I am shocked that they left that in there still. They didn't shy away from certain topics. I mean, I remember those short stories sometimes being about like, losing a friend or like a loved one dying. And in the help section, I remember I must have been reading my cousin's magazine because I wasn't allowed to get them in 2001. Um, but I remember a girl wrote in, or maybe it was a few years after, a girl wrote in to the help section and said, help, my birthday is September 11th and I don't feel comfortable celebrating <laughs> anymore. So like, these were time relevant issues that kids were, were feeling and it was written about in there. Um, I feel like they didn't shy away from too much. I mean, they were ready to address like, hey, if you are a girl and these are your problems, we're going to talk about it in this magazine. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. I feel like, you know, we see it through the historic books as well, where they address some really hard topics in nearly every uh, book, you know, like they're not shying away from mm -hmm. these hard conversations. And we see that throughout their magazines, the books that they publish as well. Um, but I think that's really commendable. And, you know, is that something that's done today? Even, you know, I feel like the culture has evolved into, you know, protecting, uh, kids as much as possible, maybe. I mean, from what mm -hmm. I see on the outside or even just, I think, you know, society is always going to change in that regard, but American Girl really put it all out there. Yeah. And I think in an age appropriate way, that was helpful for a lot of girls. Yeah. Definitely. No, again, like, I feel like they had a way of addressing tough conversations that felt like really natural and not like super preachy or patronizing um, or like stigmatizing any of the issues that were brought up. Like everything just felt like very, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. Everything, they made everything feel like normal. They didn't make mm -hmm. you feel like othered for going through something specific that, you know, maybe you weren't able to talk to your friends about. Right. Definitely. So Emily, we also mentioned this in your intro, but you had a doll themed birthday party that we would love to connect with you on. Um, we mentioned that there was a doll historian and ghost stories were told, but could you give us the whole rundown of, of this celebration? Of course. So it was my 10th birthday. So maybe a little old for dolls, but not for me. Um, and I said, I want to have a tea party and I want all of my friends to bring their best love doll, their favorite doll, um, which primarily was American Girl dolls. Um, and I think I probably brought Felicity, um, but we had a doll collector slash doll historian come and it was so cool. She came to my grandma's house with a huge tub of dolls from the past 100 years. And she did a whole presentation where she would take out the dolls and talk about the time periods and let us touch them and feel them. And we all sat in a circle with our dolls on our laps. And it was really just so like quaint and magical. And then we had tea. And then the party sort of took a big shift because 
it was snowing and the power went out. Um, so we went from kind of like dolls and tea and teacups to, okay, let's light a fire in the fireplace. And now we're going to all sit on the couch with our dolls and we're going to tell ghost stories. And it just, it was so formative and I guess in my 10 year old mind like iconic and I'm really curious if the other girls who were there still remember it um because I I think it was such a fun time for all of us I wouldn't be surprised if uh, those girls I went to school with remember it like 17 years later I mean what a like fun like set of happenstance events to happen with the power going out and just creating like that optimal environment for like scary storytelling after you just had like that amazing historian come in and I think that something that's kind of interesting about having the doll historian come in is that like doll history in addition to American Girl like being ingratiated into doll history now like having been around for a while is an important part of American girl uh, culture in that every doll and or like character has kind of like a doll of their time too. So you have like Mm -hmm. Samantha's porcelain doll. um, Felicity, I think has a doll. Molly has her World War II nurse doll. Like Josefina Mm -hmm. has a corn husk doll, I believe. Like, Mm -hmm. so I think like that's a, you know, a amazing connection too that, um, it's kind of meta I feel like for American Girl to like have that aspect and like also the fact that like that was part of your birthday party was so cool everything about this birthday party sounds absolutely epic and I want to recreate this I feel like (laughs) I want to find a doll collector gather a bunch of gals uh cut the power light (laughs) a fire yeah absolutely. (laughs) absolutely redo it this sounds like heaven truly Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. And it's so, it really is so interesting, Laura. That's a great point about um, all of the American Girl dolls that you're reading about did have dolls of their own. And it just kind of takes you through history up until today and kind of brings you to uh, a point where you're connecting your life with the American Girl characters. Like this is Felicity's doll, uh, but Felicity is your doll you know, Mm -hmm. and building that connection up is really cool and relatable. No, totally. A hundred percent. I think, um, I think you mentioned Emily, like not ever getting super into the, the mini dolls when you were younger, which like I wasn't either. And like Lindsay, I think you and I have talked about before how like the mini dolls, like you just can't like get that detail in such like a, (laughs) a mini, like, object um but I honestly feel like the mini dolls are gonna be like how I have to like live out my American Girl fantasies like until I have kids that want American Girl dolls because um they like I I feel like it's like one step too far maybe to get myself like a new American Girl doll (laughs) although it might it might happen I don't know I might not be ready for that but like I did get Lindsay a mini Samantha for her birthday and um I don't know like I have like a new appreciation for the mini dolls but I feel like at the time like that we were um into American Girl they were sort of trying to market it as like a doll for your doll and I never felt like that was like I don't know I was just like 
this isn't a doll for my doll. This is just a small, this is just another small doll. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess it only, it makes sense if you have, like, a girl of today. Like, she could have her own American Girl doll. But, like, is Felicity going to have a, another Felicity? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> but I totally, I totally, like, agree with you that, like, the mini dolls, they don't, they don't quite, like, capture the American Girl, like, magic of like having like a very like non-creepy like face structure and like having like the really detailed like hair and stuff right I it's kind of strange but I never noticed the mini dolls like when they were on the page with the girl of today like I vaguely remember them being there and I had like no interest in them but the mini dolls had like a mini section like they were small, they were on a corner and they were like on a page with a lot of other things. Right. Um, I don't think they tried that hard with the mini dolls at the time. (laughs) I remember like trying to just like get it when I was younger. I was like, I don't think I'm like getting what these are actually (laughs) for. And then when they came out with like the mini rooms, I was like, are the mini dolls for the mini rooms? (laughs) Like I didn't, I didn't get like that the mini rooms were just like totally separate. Yeah, and they never made dolls for those mini rooms, and I think they only existed for like a year, but they were pretty cool too. I wasn't allowed to have them because I had a baby brother who would probably eat the stuff, but they were cool. Yeah, they those were like a definite like something they tried and like didn't quite take off, but I remember I remember looking at them and thinking like the design aesthetic of the mini rooms was like peak like exactly what I wanted my bedroom to look like basically mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that millennium feel uh, yeah seriously everything was like an inflatable chair or like a bean-shaped coffee table or something oh my like God. that <laughs> anything that's like purple maybe translucent maybe not but with glitter in it like will instantly bring me back to the year 2000 and I love it well, that's how they made the Millennium outfit. It was iridescent purple. Oh, like, that's right. It was oh my 2000. goodness! Yeah, absolutely. They they really nailed that one. Yeah, <laughs> so funny. Oh my god, bringing it all together. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> now, Emily, we always like to close out this portion of our podcast with asking our guests what lasting impression American girl left on you. And we would absolutely love to hear this from you. Okay, sure. So I think it's impacted a lot of kind of what I do today. Um, So the lasting impact AG had on me was that young girls matter, that their stories, their perspectives, their fears, their ideas, that they're important. Because I think when you're a kid, there's so much talk about when you grow up, like, you're kind of in this holding pattern. You're going to really matter and do big things when you're an adult. Um, but the American Girl books place an emphasis on the value of girls in childhood and the books and the magazines don't shy away from the scary things like war, death, racism, loss, learning difficult lessons. And it showed the girls go through these traumas, how they grow. I mean, Samantha's parents drown, Kirsten's best friend dies, Molly's dad is literally in the trenches. Um, and I think it helped me feel like my own story mattered too, with the good parts and the bad parts. And 
I think influenced me eventually becoming a therapist for kids and teens. And I primarily do work with girls because it sparked kind of that value and interest and the the wholeness and the validation and the development of girls and of kids and just kind of that they're they're whole people who are experiencing the world just like everyone else. Wow, that's a really interesting, unique, beautiful sentiment that you just shared. And it's so true. Like so much of what you learn as a girl and a teen is that, you know, the future will matter and like who you grow up to be. But American Girl really uh, emphasizes and celebrates who you are today and, Mm -hmm. you know, really uh, brings that message across into everything that it does. And that's a really beautiful perspective. I think something else kind of powerful about what you mentioned um, with like relating it to your own life is that they they definitely were able to highlight, you know, struggles taking place at a specific period in time without making you feel like, oh, but my life is so easy. Like mm-hmm. if, if anything, I think it made it easier to accept that like you know, people have a lot going on, like in any time period, like people struggle with different things, like different families struggle with different things. And I feel like they do a really good job of not like comparing, not making it, not minimizing like one struggle over another, you know, like Addie's struggles were probably a little bit more profound than say, like, I don't know, Kirsten's struggles, but at the same time, um, they do a great job of highlighting both and not, mm-hmm. and not being like, oh, one is more important than the other. And I think like as a girl, uh, or I hope like for girls reading these stories, like, just like you said, it, it allows you to apply that to your own life and be like, yeah. And like, it's okay if I am having a hard time and, you know, not everybody's life is perfect. And I, I kind of like that they sort of shined a light on, on the positive and the negative. And I think you, you know, just brought up something that we'd never thought about before um, for the American Girl legacy. So yeah, really important stuff. AG is important. <laughs> Definitely. Seriously. All right. Well, shall we get into the game portion? Let's do it. All right. So Emily, we have a game that we play here on AGW um, where it's more of like a subjective game, but I'm going to give you um, a list of some celebrities that you provided to us. There will not be any uh, pop quizzes here. And you can say which dolls you think they would have. And I'm going to pick one from one category and one from another. So they're going to be very different. Um, But the first one is which doll do you think Laura Ingalls Wilder would have? I feel like this one is kind of obvious, but maybe not. I feel like she would have Kirsten um, (laughs) just because Kirsten lived in the Midwest. I think there were a lot of winters. I remember there being a lot of cabins (laughs) bears I feel like Kirsten's story made me feel like I was reading the little house on the prairie stories so Laura Ingalls Wilder would have a Kirsten totally I think it's it's a very obvious like connection and I think that one of the things that Lindsay and I always talk about is like the Anne of Green Gables Laura Ingalls Wilder like American Girl overlap is like so strong like Laura Ingalls Wilder could have been an American Girl doll like 
in Kirsten's universe, like had they wanted to do that. Um, so I think that that's a perfect match. Um, the next one I'm going to give you is going to be kind of out of left field, but who do you think Joe Jonas would have for an American <laughs> Girl doll? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yes, I, I did love Joe Jonas. Um, who would he have? He's kind of like alternative and out there. So I feel like he might have a, like a cool one. A cool one. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say he would have a doll who had earrings because mm. that's cool. Maybe he would have Josefina because she had earrings, like a cool outfit and like dark hair. Although I'm not totally sure. I, I could be swayed if you guys have a different opinion. I think that Josefina is a good match for Joe. I also kind of feel like he is sort of like the Samantha of the Jonas brother. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in that he is like the, like, everybody's like, he's kind of like everybody's first choice. Like now I like Nick a lot too, but like Joe pretty much would be my go-to. So maybe people would differ in opinions with me here, but I, I feel like, I feel like he is like the Samantha of the Jonas brothers. Kevin is definitely the number one pick. Right. Kevin is definitely Molly. (laughs) Kevin yeah I feel like and then I Nick is like maybe Nick I feel like Nick is like Felicity exactly I would choose Felicity for Nick (laughs) I like that oh my goodness yeah I think honestly great opinions all around there's no right or wrong answer um but I think I think we made some good choices here (laughs) (laughs) definitely all right Emily we are going to introduce a brand new little game here with you today. And this is another very subjective game, kind of a a fun little exercise, if you will. But if you could go to dinner with any two American girls, so you would be interacting with two gals and they would be interacting with each other, who would you choose? Oh my goodness. Um, I'm going to have to say, so neither of these were my top favorites as a kid, but I think just kind of like important social issues, I might invite Addie and Kit because I think Addie would have like a really interesting perspective on like racial issues and, and that sort of thing. And then Kit having gone through like the great depression, like I think the world is kind of a mess. So I might want to invite some dolls over who have navigated sort of like difficult times in in history. Um, I think I would invite invite Addie and Kit. Very interesting. I think those two would definitely be dynamic dinner guests, especially interacting with each other uh, and learning more about their past, how like getting advice from both of them would be really mm-hmm. interesting as well. Yeah. I think, I think seeing those two interact together would be a really interesting. Agreed. Agreed. I think that they're both, um, you know, going to have a very like 
socially conscious Mm -hmm. um mindset too that like the other not to say that the other dolls don't because they all had their social uh struggles like taking place during each period but I feel like they specifically um took place take place in a uh in two different eras of like really strong social upheaval so that Mm -hmm. would be super interesting right definitely awesome well this has been so fun, ladies. Yes, I'm so excited I was here. <laughs> we had so much fun with you today, Emily. Thank you so much for joining us. And please let everyone know where they could find you. Okay, sure. So um, on Instagram, I'm at Emily Aurora B. Aurora, like, like Sleeping Beauty. It's my middle name. Um, I also have a, a therapy account which is emotions underscore with underscore Emily, if you want to learn a little bit more about mental health and that sort of thing. Um, But yeah, that's where you can find me. Oh my gosh. I'm definitely going to follow your therapy account because I'm obsessed with therapy and I love uh, therapy content on Instagram. So you have one new follower, at least (laughs) in me for sure. (laughs) Great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you you for listening to American Girl Women. For more AG Women content, follow us on IG at American Girl Women or send us your American Girl stories via AmericanGirlWomen at gmail.com. We might just read them on the pod. If you like this podcast, tell your friends and rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts.